Welcome to Breakthrough, a virtual educational program brought to you by Second Home. Every week, we invite different thought leaders and experts to share their knowledge to help equip you with the professional tools you need to navigate this tumultuous time. This session was recorded from our live streamed class last week. To find out about upcoming events, visit secondhome.io forward slash breakthrough and follow the links. I work for a company called Buffer, and we are a social media management and branding platform. Um, and Buffer has been uh, a fully remote company for the last nine years now. Um, we've got around 90 employees based all over the world, and I think we're occupying about 90 different countries. So we're fully remote and set up, and we all kind of work together throughout the different time zones and everything like that. Um, over the nine years, we've had many kind of weird and wonderful iterations of remote work, and we've gone through many experiments and, um, well, failed experiments, successful experiments, and different tests to see what works best for us. So today, I would like to share kind of a few of our findings along the way, the tools we use, what we suggest for other companies who are looking to go remote, and also quite a few of my personal experiences um, over the years. So uh, personally, I had been working for Buffer for just under five years now and uh, fully remote during that time. And thanks to Buffer's setup as well, I've been able to work full time and travel and work from 25 different countries around the world uh, without kind of missing a beat of any work days and still uh, trying to stay quite productive throughout that time as well. Um, so, yeah, I'd kind of love to share a bit more about how we are set up to to make sure everyone is productive whilst they work remotely and whether it's working from home, whether it's working from co-working spaces or coffee shops or wherever you might be, um, there's a lot of ways in which remote work can be successful. So I'd love to dive into that. Um, first off as well, I would love to kind of address the notion of working from home versus um, remote work. So a lot of people right now will be working from home due to the current climate and coronavirus and restrictions placed on companies. So if we are able to work from home, um, we're probably the very, very lucky ones. Not everyone is able to, um, but some of us are. So that's brilliant. But at the same time, it might be a very stressful environment that we're working from home in right now. Um, we might have to work from home with spouses, with siblings, with children, with uh, housemates, and it might not be like the perfect setup for you to be optimal and productive in this time. And that's okay right now. It's a kind of a new environment for everyone, but that's not necessarily what remote work is fully about. And I'd love to kind of delve into the nuances and the differences there. Um, so like, as you can see right now for me, I'm, I'm working from my bedroom and when I, I work from home full time as well or the co-working space and I don't even have like a full setup um, at home. So like right now it's a little bit different than what I would usually be set up. I'd often be in the living room, but now that my housemates are home as well, um, I try and distance myself from those so I can focus on work. So it can be a little bit awkward uh, when you're starting off in the first few days, but definitely um, hopefully more people will be get comfortable with it and we'll be able to find a productive um, flow for them to be able to carry on working and not be annoyed by the aspects of working from home and still be productive going forward as well 
So yeah, working from home is going to be a little bit different from full-on remote work. I think there's a very famous clip a few years ago of um, Professor Robert Kelly. I don't know if you remember him, but he was interviewed by the BBC. Um, and basically during the middle of the interview, his door opened, he came in um, and then his kids kind of came into the room and his wife was panicked and he <laughs> he kind of just ignored them and pushed them away. And hopefully that's not what working from home is going to be like for all of you. Um, hopefully you can definitely lean into the, the nuances and the, the change of working in an office compared to working from home. Um, it might be a little bit hectic at times, but everyone will be very understanding. And if you're on video calls like this, embrace kids coming in, let them let them play, let them say hi. Uh, I'm sure all your colleagues or any clients and stuff won't mind that and they can you know, wave and everything. Same with pets. That's always quite fun. Everyone gets quite excited about any pets who join the calls. So yeah, lean into that and just be as understanding as possible when disruptions happen to your work day. Like, you know, don't let it throw you off guard and just keep on carrying on basically. Um, so for any companies or anybody who's new to working from home or remote work, there are definitely a few tools out there that can help people and can get you set up for the optimal workflow. Um, I'm sure by now you've probably heard a lot of them or maybe use a lot of them, but I'd love to kind of go through the ones that we use at Buffer and that we find very successful. So, for general chat, our day-to-day -day is owned by Slack. You know, everyone communicates by there. We have lots of different channels and that's how we are constantly in communication with each other. It's very handy. Um, it can be a distraction at times, but it's great to be just up to date with your teammates and to be able to communicate clearly with them. Another good tool that we're using right now is uh, Zoom for video calls and conferences. Um, Google Hangouts is also a very good one to use as well, but Google Hangouts has a limit of 25 participants. So for some of the bigger companies, that might not be uh, very relevant. So Zoom doesn't have that limit. And um, yeah, it's probably a little bit better and a bit more seamless as well. In terms of um, kind of asynchronous communication as well, which is very important, uh, we use Dropbox Paper. Um, so that's where people can create documents. They can create um, communications between the different teams and they'd be paste the link to their paper document, invite different team members, invite them to see the documents that they're working on and uh, collaborate there asynchronously. So you don't have to be doing it in real time. For us as a fully remote team, that's extremely handy and useful and we like it a lot. Um, similarly, for kind of like company-wide announcements, we use a tool called Threads, uh, which is um, a tool available for people to do discourse uh, asynchronously and announce their updates. Everyone can follow along and it's not something that you need to be tuned into all the time. And it's a good resource and a knowledge base as well. And there's also a very, very handy tool called Notion, which we've picked up over the last year, which is kind of like um, a wiki base of knowledge. So you can have all your company documents and any updates on procedures and places saved in Notion and everyone can uh, kind of view that and log in um, online and asynchronously and just have it as a good knowledge base from there. So once you've got kind of set up with all the tools that are needed and necessary, um, it can still be a little bit mind boggling as to how to kind of like get into the flow of working remotely or working from home. And this might be very prevalent as well for any companies who are onboarding during this time as well. Um, so I know 
maybe in the current climate, people have paused uh, their onboarding or bringing on new employees. But if you are looking to do it consistently and work remotely going forward, onboarding is a highly important aspect of how to set up for success as a remote team. Um, so at Buffer, this has evolved a lot over the last few years as well. And it's something that we take um, incredibly seriously and we put a lot of intention and thought into how we do it. Our current setup is we have a big Dropbox paper documentation uh, for new starters. And basically we clearly outline what their first few weeks are looking at. We'll have a day-to-day -day guide on what they will be doing, what they're expected to do, uh, what documentation they should be reading uh, in terms of prepping up for their role. We'll also assign um, buddies for new starters as well. So typically you'll have um, a role buddy who is someone who's going to be in your same capacity at work. You'll have a culture buddy who will kind of bring you up to date on everything that is common throughout Buffer's culture and any questions that you might have, like what Slack channels to join, how to communicate, um, how to present yourself at work, anything like that. And you'd also have your lead buddy as well, who's typically going to be your manager. Um, and basically, they'll have a lot of emphasis on joining um, lots of regular syncs and seeing how your progress is over your first few weeks at Buffer. Um, so if anyone has any further questions about like, the onboarding process, we do have quite a bit of documentation online and blogs, but any questions that spring to mind, please do enter them here and I can answer them at the end as well. So yeah, there's, there's a lot to go on and there's quite a few things that we'd like to dig into as well. One of the, the biggest things that I would like to talk about today, um, which is quite relevant, I think, for a lot of people, is also how to combat loneliness um, when working remotely and working from home. I think especially in this period where we're practicing social distancing and we are practicing uh, self-isolation, uh, we have to keep on mind that mental health can be quite tough at times. And working from home can bring um, kind of like tricky scenarios to the front as well. So I'd love to be very mindful of that and kind of go over a few things that I've helped, had in my experience that I found very helpful to combat any loneliness or mental difficulties that I've had from working from home as well. Um, so one of the, the best things that we do at Buffer, I think, is we have very intentional Slack channels. I'm sure quite a few of you have these at your company already, but things kind of like having a water cooler channel where you can just have very informal discussions and chit chats. Um, that's really good for kind of building morale and building friendships throughout the workforce and kind of feel like you're in the regular office as well while still having social interaction with all your colleagues. Another thing that we do is we have um, informal kind of like icebreakers and casual chats. So I think it's once a week at the moment, we're having uh, Zoom calls in our general channel and this is available for anyone to join and we spread them across two different um, times. So it works out for Europe and East Coast and then West Coast America and kind of the APAC time zone. Uh, so everyone can kind of get together, socialize, there's some icebreaker questions, um, and it's a good point for everyone to kind of come together and just kind of catch up and have that very intentional time in your work day for social interactions as well. That's kind of really important. Um, another thing that we do, which I find like really good, is we try and have Zoom calls as well around holidays. So if it's 
Christmas time, everyone will get together and we'll discuss what people are doing over their holiday plans. Um, if it's Halloween, we'll have impromptu Zoom calls and we'll all dress up in costumes, even though we're at home or wherever we may be, and we still have kind of like a costume party together at work. So things like that can be very beneficial in terms of creating camaraderie and um, avoiding isolation in the workplace when you are working from home. One of the studies that we've done over the last year as well is um, we do a yearly state of remote. And basically, one of the biggest findings that we found in the state of remote work is that the second biggest cause of anxiety for people working from home is going to be um, basically isolation and loneliness. So it's very important and very uh, prevalent to keep that at the top of your mind and know when you're kind of feeling lonely or when you're feeling stressed or isolated in the workplace and take some extra steps to kind of prevent that from happening. So additional things apart from having um, kind of informal and fun Slack channels or Zoom calls could literally be just know when to take a break from your computer, get out and go for a walk, have a little bit of exercise. Um, again, something as simple as when people are working from home, you don't have to commute anymore. So instead of the time that you spend on a commute, why don't you be intentional and take that time to speak to your loved ones, speak to your family and friends and just have some informal conversations and make sure that you are getting the personal time from people. Uh, another thing as well that I found works really well for me is to actually go and go to co-working spaces, go to coffee shops, uh, go to libraries and just actually be around other people as well. At this moment in time, I know that aspect of working from home or working remotely is going to be very difficult, but it's still something that's going to be important. And in a long-term sustainable remote work culture, it'll be very relevant for people going forward as well. Um, so for me, uh, over the last few years, well, especially whilst I was traveling, I tried to do it whilst I was in kind of like nomadic areas. So I'd join digital nomad groups. I would go and put myself uh, and meet strangers on a regular basis. Um, I was also in part of a digital nomad traveling itinerary for six months, where basically a group of 30 strangers all met together and traveled to different countries. Uh, it's a bit like remote year, if any of you've heard of that. And that was excellent. And I managed to meet a lot of people from there. Um, and hopefully, I think even one of them is on this call. If you are, hi, Zach. Hope you're doing well. Uh, yeah, so doing that kind of thing is fantastic. There's also um, lots of communities where you can co-work and co-live together. So there's a big uh, company called Outsite. It has sites all across uh, Europe, America, and Central America. And they're fantastic for people who can work remotely, but who are um, digital as well and they can kind of go into different areas they can co-live with similar-minded people and still integrate with society and still have uh, full-time working and try out different experiences and different locations in the world and there's a few similar uh, companies to that as well so I would highly recommend people who maybe do feel isolated or do feel like they're focusing on working and maybe don't get out to meet people to look for these type of companies and see what might feel best for them. Um, I know I'm a member of Second Home, as I'm sure many of you here are as well. And I think Second Home is a fantastic place for people to get together and to, to integrate. Uh, there's lots of social classes on um, and lots of 
initiatives where you can meet people, you can uh, network, you can collaborate, and it's just a fantastic place as well. And yet you can still be highly productive with everything that you need to do. Um, another thing that I think is really beneficial for working remotely and combating loneliness is to just be as open and vulnerable as you possibly can be when it comes to speaking with your colleagues and your team leads as well. Um, so I think it's very important for companies to be very understanding and intentional of how they communicate. Darcy just added that we're bringing more social activities online during this time whilst uh, everyone is kind of working from home. So second homes, uh, social aspects will still be going and being live, which is great. Um, so back to the point I was going to just talk about is when it comes to communication with your teammates and working from home as well. One thing that we do at Buffer, and I'm sure a lot of other companies practice this as well, is regular one-to-one -one time. So this can be one-to-one -one with your manager, your direct lead, um, or it also can be uh, one-to-ones with just colleagues from other departments. We have a tool in Slack called Donuts, uh, which is a little pairing tool. And basically, it'll automatically pair you with a random person throughout your company each week. And from there, you get to organize how to basically chat with each other, have a little catch up, see what's going on in their day and um, see what's going on in their week and keep that communication, even if you're not necessarily going to be working directly with that colleague on a long-term basis. And it's a very nice way just to keep social at work and yeah, uh, keep it a bit informal as well and keep up to date with everyone else who's uh, at work too. Additionally, on top of that, we also have one-to-one -one masterminds. These typically happen on a bi-weekly basis, and it's a little bit of a deeper level one. So the one-to-one -one masterminds would be with one person um, like throughout the year as opposed to changing each week. From a personal point of view, I find these like highly beneficial as well. Um, my mastermind buddy is a guy called Tom Redman, who is based in Canada, and he's one of the uh, product owners for um, our product called Analyze at work. And he's just so incredible with lots of knowledge and incredibly funny as well. So I get a lot of benefit from those, even if it's just an informal chat, if it's a chat about personal life as opposed to work issues, having that intentional time and space carved out in my calendar is one of like the highlights of my week. Um, similarly, we'd have um, a one-to-one -one with my direct lead on a bi-weekly basis as well. And that is the space where you can talk about personal issues, you can talk about um, anxieties or vulnerabilities that you have at work as well. And I think these things are very, very important for keeping mental health uh, at the forefront of your mind when working remotely. And our managers understand that, you know, they have the same the same anxieties, they have the same issues and they'll talk to their leads about it. But if they can communicate openly back and forth with each other, it makes for a very good working relationship. Um, and also just having like the flexibility around uh, having these communications and having that time out in your calendar um, is just vitally important as well because it can be very difficult uh, when you're working from home to just be like heads down, just try and, oh, sorry, uh, Bi-weekly is once a fortnight in this scenario, um, Simran. Sorry if there's any confusion there. But uh, yeah, just having that time in your calendar to um, have that intentional communication and not be heads down the whole time is really, really important. Um, another tool that we've just introduced uh, at work is something that's called Happy Tools. And um, this is, kind of follows on the back of kind of like mental health, but also timing as well. And what 
this is doing for us um, in the customer advocacy team is basically being very intentional about the time you spend on what tasks. So it's not a, a monitoring tool or anything like that. It's just kind of keeping intentions in your mind about where you're working and giving strict guidelines as well about when you should stop. So for us, we have it set up in a typical eight hour work day where it's going to be six hours of kind of customer focused work and then two hours of kind of ad hoc work, whether it's syncs with teammates, whether it's catching up on um, all hands recordings, whether it's catching up on documentation um, or little side projects that you have going on. Every day you have that two hours set aside for you um, to be very intentional about what you want to do. And also having those clear guidelines of the working hours and the expectations helps because one thing that was a big struggle for me for a long time when I started working from home was having a cut off time for my day. And to be honest, it's still a bit of a struggle now. Um, because you're just at home, it's very easy to keep your laptop open. It's kind of easy to constantly look at work. And especially when you're working for a company that is across many time zones. So for us at Buffer, you know, when it comes to five o'clock in London, it's just peak time and start the day in the West Coast. So that at times does make it very difficult to to know when to end. So having a tool kind of like happy tools to remind you of, all right, this is how much you've done. This is what you're putting into a day is very beneficial and it can help people just to close the laptop, know when to turn off and know how to have that separation between personal life and work life as well, which is fantastic. Um, do any of you all who have worked from home so far, like, ever suffer with any of that like knowing when to stop knowing when to be online when to be present when to not be because that's something that is definitely always like a nice big learning curve and something that you have to be very mindful of as well so if you have any questions over that later on we'd love to kind of dig into that the next point was i wanted to talk about was just something which is maybe a bit more jovial and light-hearted um so when it comes to having communications and zoom calls as well there is a few little tips and tricks that have been going around and doing the rounds um, on twitter at the moment so uh, if you're having lots of calls throughout the day when you're working from home or working remotely there's a few options in zoom where you can basically improve your background um, so you can change your settings uh, so <laughs> you can make it basically to uh, touch up your appearance, kind of like beauty mode on the phone. So if you think you're having like a bad hair day or anything, you can go into your preferences, go into video and check touch of my appearance and you'll be looking beautiful and radiant for all your colleagues and your clients, which is fantastic. Um, similarly, there's always a few jokes about how to dress when you're working from home or having the meetings. So a lot of people might just dress on, you know, up top and make sure they're wearing a shirt or a formal outfit, but on the bottom, they might not be. That's okay, as long as you don't show it. Um, I've seen a tweet go around where a company had to enforce people to actually wear clothes whilst they're on a Zoom meeting. Um, and in the past, I, <laughs> I personally have uh, violated that code as well. Um, when I came onto a Zoom meeting after being in Bali and the rest of my team was in Europe and I was a little bit topless, and we all had a good giggle at that, but it's kind of important to remember you are in a work setting and to kind of be formal at those times, even um, if you're comfortable with all your colleagues as well. Um, additionally, there's also some cool settings that you can do with the background of your Zoom calls. So you can customize the background. Um, 
So instead of having it just as like a blank background or your wall, you can save it as a picture and, or some people are getting really creative with it and they are creating little kind of like video loops as well. So it makes it look like there's people dancing or things in the background, which is a little bit of ad hoc fun, but um, yeah, it's just something that can lighten up Zoom calls or the moods as well. Uh, and a thing that also I'd like to touch upon is the freedom and flexibility that working from home can also create. So there's um, kind of a mantra around like tech companies as well that, you know, to keep employees happy, they're going to have uh, beer fridges, they're going to have snacks and fruits and things, they're going to have ping pong tables. Um, and that's what's going to create an environment for employees to be really productive. But working from home or working remotely going forward in the future, it shouldn't have to be like that. It should be more about the flexibility that people are going to enjoy. Working from home allows you to kind of set your own schedule. It allows you to be present for the moments where you get to take your kids to work, sorry, take your kids to school uh, when they go back to school. Um, it allows you to, you know, easily go to doctor's appointments or uh, dentist appointments. You don't have to commute. It's kind of like you have more time for yourself. Um, so like, those things I think are going to be really, really prevalent for companies to recognize that's what employees want going forward. Um, there's so many more benefits of working remotely than there are to maybe having to go into the office every day. Um, it definitely can be a point where sometimes it's nice to have the option to go into the office or you can have some time going to the office. But I think as we move forward, a lot of people will see the benefit of working remotely and they enjoy the freedom of not having to commute. They'll enjoy the freedom of not having to dress formally all the time. And I think if anything, over the next few weeks, we can see that many companies, they can work remotely, they can make it work. Um, and employees might not necessarily want to fully go back to the office after this self-isolation time is over. So on, on the back of that as well, kind of like more things that make it really interesting is when it comes to kind of holidays or like um free days as well it working from home at times can give you more freedom to kind of work away from home work in any setting that you want but it's also important to kind of keep at the forefront in mind that you should take holidays um it's not a, an excuse to not have vacation it's not an excuse to not take time off you have to definitely keep that at the forefront of your mind and businesses shouldn't necessarily say, Oh, we work from home. So you get less holidays. That is something that like, isn't negotiable. So that's something to keep important for companies going forward too. Okay. Uh, nice message from Kieran here. So it says, what's the worst thing you can do when working remotely? I, that makes it unsustainable. Um, that's a good question. And this might maybe vary from person to person, but I would say getting into bad habits. So a lot of people, if they're working from home or working remotely, they might just kind of wake up each morning and treat it as like a pajama day kind of thing. And whilst that's cool and normal for the initial period when you're kind of working from home, it can lead to a lot of bad habits and kind of unproductivity as well. So what I would say is when applicable, kind of make sure that you you have a bit of time before you start work. So it's nice to kind of get up and have that time in the morning to speak to your friends, speak to your loved ones, um, exercise, read, whatever it might be along those lines, um, and then start your day. And also a little bit similarly to what I mentioned before as well is 
don't get into the habit of just always being online. Set yourself strict guidelines, set yourself uh, reminders and tasks throughout the day that you have to do and keep to them. And also take regular breaks as well. I would say that if you don't do these things, um, it probably doesn't become sustainable. So if you're just staying in 24-7 and you're not having social interactions with friends, with colleagues, with family, um, you're not getting the exercise, you're you're not kind of making the effort to dress up, then it will just become the feeling that like your whole life is work um, and it's hard to distinguish the boundaries between uh, work and like leisure. So I would say just make sure you have clear boundaries in place and that way you can keep it sustainable. Um, another question here from Christian. Uh, how easy do you find it to stay active and exercise whilst working remotely? Uh, personally, this maybe goes in cycles for me. At times I would exercise uh, like every lunchtime when I'm working from home um, and maybe do something after work as well. Uh, or depending on what country I am, I'm in, sorry, I might try and take breaks every couple of hours and go skipping or go in the garden or do some home workouts if I don't have access to a gym. But yeah, again, it's about kind of setting regular tasks for you and having a list of things that you want to do. And if you're very intentional about having the time set aside for exercise, then it's quite easy to keep in your schedule. Um, I think the important thing as well is when you're working from home, you don't necessarily always have that time for fresh air that you would get on a commute. Uh, when you go into an office so if you can just keep that in mind and even if it's not necessarily exercise just think okay I'm going to have a 10 minute screen break I'm going to go walk around the block I'm going to go to the park or something like that and that'll help you keep active and uh, keep you moving as well okay Sharif what was the name of the company where you can work anywhere and be part of the local community um so there was a few of these um so in terms of the one I mentioned before it was outside um and they have a few different locations i do believe there's one in london as well i think it's in chelsea um and it's kind of like a co-living space uh so yeah they have rooms for rent and they also have a co-working space attached to it and people from different companies will all go there as well there's there's a few of these around the world um there's one that i stayed in in the canary islands which is called restation uh there's one that is very popular in Bali as well, um, which, sorry, uh, I think it's just called Rome, uh, that has a few different sites. So there's a few of those around and yeah, I'd highly recommend them. I think they're, they're a great way to meet people. It's a great way to stay productive and to travel as well. I really, really like them. And usually they're very funky spaces too. Um, from Claire, what's the best way to support other people who are transitioning to working from home for the first time? Yeah, that's that's a great question, Claire. So I would say if you're in a position where you have been working from home for quite a while, that just make yourself available for them. You know, let them know that you're there to talk. Let them know that you're open for uh, whether it's a Zoom call, whether it's a Slack message or even a phone call. Um, yeah, basically put yourself out there and say that you can help them in whatever way possible. And also I've got, quite a few online resources here that I'll send out in a slide pack after as well, or I'll, I'll send over to Karen and she can send them out. Um, so there's there's lots of resources online. Uh, if you look at Buffer's blog as well, we have a whole remote work section where we have a lot of tips and uh, ideas and suggestions. So 
helping people transition. Um, yeah, there's quite a few resources online as well, even recordings. But I think just as long as you're, you're there and you're kind of as understanding as possible, especially say if they have kids work, uh, who are kids at home from school at the moment as well, let them know that you trust them, let them know that you know they will get the work done. Um, and it's about, yeah, putting your faith in the people to still be productive whilst giving them the opportunity to work from home. Um, oh, a good question here from Karen. Do you have any advice to founders who are worried about their employees doing less work whilst working from home? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a very good point. And I'm sure that's something that maybe a lot of founders do worry about at times. And similarly to kind of like my, my last answer there to Claire, I would say you kind of have to trust your people. Uh, remote work maybe isn't for everyone. It's definitely not for all industries. For the industries that can do it, you just have to put your faith in the people that they will do the work. And at the end of the day, if you don't, the results will be there. Um, it'd be quite quick that you can find out who is and who isn't working, even if you're not like putting big tracking measures in place. Um, but for for founders who are particularly worried about that, there there are tools out there where you can track. You know, you can do timesheets, you can do productivity. It's not something that I'd necessarily suggest, um, as it maybe isn't the best working relationship for a lot of people because your employees want to feel the faith and trust that you put in them. But I suppose, um, especially now when working from home is maybe a bit more enforced, those tools could be quite helpful. Um, again, I can send over the resources and the links to some of those tools as well, if it would be beneficial for anyone, and I'd be happy to send that over. But I know from personal experience, um, having the faith and trust of my managers and my employees, sorry, my employers, um, is like such a big thing for me. And that makes me like want to earn their trust, keep their trust and be as productive as possible. So that's definitely a big thing for me. And I'm not sure, but it, maybe if it was reversed and they were checking up on me every so often, I might not enjoy that working environment as much, but that might be different for different people. Um, nice message here from James. Do you set yourself strict daily schedules, breaks, lunch, set time to finish? Um, Personally, I'm actually not the best at that. I would definitely have a general start time where I start work between 8.30 and 9 every day. Um, my lunch will vary depending on what my kind of work schedule is like, whether it's uh, whether I've got some client calls or internal calls, but I would definitely uh, try and have lunch between 12.30 and 2 most days. And then I would try and finish personally between kind of like 6.30 and 7.00. Um, depending on what the day looked like. But I would definitely suggest that is a very important way to kind of maintain a healthy work schedule as well, if you can put those uh, kind of schedules in place and have a, a set time where you know you're going to finish and you can just close your laptop at that point. I think that would be very healthy and a good way to work. Uh, Teresa, do you have any data on employees' productivity whilst working from home? Um yeah. So in terms of at Buffer, um, like we can all see what is being worked on. It's not something that we, we push, um, but we use um, on the customer advocacy team, at least we use Zendesk as a tool. Um, and in Zendesk, you can see, um, you can see different reports. So you can pull on like how many conversations each advocate has touched. You can pull on how many replies have been sent. Um, 
depending on which area of the company you work in, you can see how many engineers have like pushed requests or what work they've been going on. Um, and then generally some different areas in Buffer as well. In Slack, they'll kind of do a intro in the morning and then like an outro at night and they'll say what they plan to work on, what they have been working on, that kind of thing. Um, and there definitely are a few other tools out there that you could implement um, where you can track productivity as well. So personally, I don't have that data to hand, but like it, it's definitely available. And I can suggest as well some of those things that might work for you, Teresa. So yeah, if you have any follow-up on questions on that, please do let me know. Um, Ed, for a team that's relatively new to remote, how often would you suggest check-in should be? Uh, we want to find a balance between seeing how you're finding this scenario and making you feel like we're just checking that you're still working, which isn't the point. That's a really good question. Um, I probably, if it's still very new, I, I would lean into maybe having a good, a good check-in in terms of like a team call uh, once every couple of days in the first week or so, um, just to make sure that you know everyone is finding it okay, or so you can hear back any problems that people may have and get the feedback on that. And in terms of like checking in, I. I agree with you there that you don't necessarily want to be doing that as much, but into uh, maybe you could just have more intentional messaging on uh, Slack and just kind of say, oh, how, how are you feeling about this? How How is it going today? And not necessarily say, oh, I noticed that maybe your productivity is a bit low or I, I noticed this wasn't done, but just ask people how they're feeling about it. Um, and that doesn't have to be on a daily basis, but you can definitely kind of, keep your finger on the pulse and send messages around that and allow people to have the space to open up and let them share their feelings as well. I know that that's probably not a very tangible answer um, and it's going to be different for different companies, but I think you just have to set the expectation yourself and like lean into what feels right for you and your team. Um, a question here from Becky on, do you have any advice about, onboarding in a working from home context. Yeah. Um, so I touched on a bit a little bit earlier, uh, Becky, um, what we do at Buffer as well. And this has evolved over the years. So, um, and I, I probably just, I'll, I'll send you to a blog post that we've done on it. But what we have is very clear documentation for any new starters. Um, we have uh, basically an outrunning of what their week will look like on the first week and what tasks they should be doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And then that evolves on a weekly basis as well. And we also pair any new starters up with some buddies. So there's a role buddy, a leader buddy, and a culture buddy. And each new start would have uh, syncs with each of those buddies maybe like once a week. Um, so it's kind of a way for them to get embedded and feel part of the company. They start meeting their colleagues um, and learn from them. But it's it's definitely a tricky one, and uh, onboarding is hard when you're working from home for sure. And again, I've got there's a good blog that we've put out, and there's also quite a few different tools as well uh, that I can send the links for on that one. Um, and quick question that came over there is: Do you know if there are any restrictions to work remotely for a foreign company? Um, I suppose this might depend on what country you're in, perhaps, and also what your status is as an employee. Um, so for, for Buffer, I can only put it in the context that we had. So when I first joined Buffer um, in 2015, 
I was hired as a international contractor. Um, so that meant for me personally, I had to set myself up as like a sole trader or a freelancer in the UK. Um, and from there, yeah, it was, even though I was a full-time employee of Buffer, um, we were very much like an international contractor on their side. Um, that allowed me the freedom to work from home uh, in the UK and also kind of move remotely as well around the world. That might be slightly different for different companies, but um, it works well for us. Um, at the moment, that has changed over the last year. We now have a Buffer subsidiary in the UK. So we actually are a full-time employee in the UK now. Um, but yeah, I think that method will still work for a lot of other people. So yeah, in the example you gave Millen, um, a US company whilst based in the UK, that works for us fine. Well, yeah, thank you all uh, for joining today. Um, and once I send out the, the resources, I'll include my email address as well. So if you have any follow-up questions, please do hit me up. Uh, I'd love to be a resource for you all. Um, and hopefully you got some value out today and I can hopefully give more value in the coming weeks as well if you're having any difficulties or troubles working from home or getting set up with remote work. But yeah, hopefully you enjoyed it and stay safe and uh, yeah, have a great rest of your week. Breakthrough is Creative Workspace Second Home's year-round educational program designed to help members make their dent in the universe. If you enjoyed this talk, check out what else is coming up at secondhome.io or follow us at at secondhome underscore io. Second Home, a workspace as creative as you are.